Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You are being watched. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Person of Interest. These people irrelevant. We don't. Hunted by the authorities. We work in secret. You'll never find us. But victim or perpetrator, if your number's up, we'll find you. discussing season 5 episode 10 titled the day the world went away oh my god this episode holy crap yes 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 to everything about this episode this this is one of like the defining moments of person of interest quite honestly like this ranks among the best episodes it's absolutely incredible it's just such a brilliant, otherworldly, fantastic moment in this show's history. Uh, one I've been waiting to talk about for quite a while. It's insanely good. It's so freaking fantastic. So, this episode starts off. And we get this amazing scene with Finch at this coffee shop. We find out later it was the coffee shop that he took Grace to way back when. And he's at this coffee shop, and he's having a conversation with the machine, saying, like, look, I know you've thought about all the possible strategies, you've thought about every possible way this could go. I know I'm probably gonna die, but could you please just tell me... Could you please just tell me if there's any possibility of all of my friends getting out of this alive? Could you please tell me that there is some eventuality, that there is some future where all the people I love survive? And, of course, the machine doesn't answer. And... That's that. And Finch just gets up and leaves after she, after he has this, like, very awkward interaction with a waitress where she's like, Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. And Finch is like, Uh, no, 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 haven't been here before. This is my first time at this establishment. I've never been here before. No, 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 no. Uh, and then Finch goes back to Subway, uh, where he has this confrontation with Root over a decision he's made. To close off the system. Uh, to no longer have the machine be an open system. To bring it back to closed. Back to talking in numbers. And Root and Finch just have this big argument over how much freedom the machine should have. Uh, in fact, there's this great moment where Root says to Finch, like, You know what? I know why you never gave the machine a name. Because you don't want to give a name to something that's going to get killed, that you might have to kill. The the machine, your child, is about to die unless you give her the tools to survive. And Finch refutes this by saying, like, no, uh, I didn't give it a name because 
I thought there'd be a day where she'd want to choose one for herself. Uh, and Root brings up the fact that the machine doesn't have a voice, just talks in the little clippings of sound, and Fitch's like, you know what? I, I have no objections to giving the machine a voice. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll let the machine choose a voice for herself right now. Uh, so Finch, like, engages a protocol where the machine is now selecting a voice. And then Finch closes down the system. We find out later, by the way, that Root, just before Finch closed the system down, put in a protocol to give the machine the resources necessary to fight back. Uh, give the machine those, like, offensive, like, weapons. Like, give the machine the ability to weaponize itself against Samaritan. And put in a safeguard where only Finch... It, it will... The machine will only put this into effect if Finch says so. It will be Finch's decision. It'll always be his decision. No one else's. Now, after all of this happens... Finch's number comes up. And immediately he gets attacked by Samaritan agents. At, uh, the college. While he is in the Professor Whistler guise. So, Professor Whistler, completely gone. That cover is blown. That cover is shattered. It is completely decimated. Like, Harold Whistler is no longer an effective disguise. Uh, and a lot of this episode is Finch on the run from Samaritan's goons. A lot of this episode is Finch on the run from Samaritan's goons. Uh, Reese, Root, Shaw, Fusco, Elias even protecting him and taking out bad guys left and right. Taking out Samaritan's agents left and right. Uh, there's this great moment where... Reese, having discovered these cards that the agents are carrying uh, for a company called Temporary, Solu Temporary Resolutions. Uh, and Reese and Fusco go to check it out, and they're like, hey, we want to speak to your supervisor about uh, the case we're working on. And then they get sort of stashed in this room and wait a bit and wait a bit and wait a bit, and then they're like, wait a minute. Everyone left. And then, like, just as they're realizing, oh, no, this is bad... Uh, they get attacked and get into this big brawl. Uh, Root and Shaw are fighting off these waves and waves and waves of Samaritan bad guys that are that keep showing up at the safe house. And Elias is stashing Finch away at an apartment building that usually is the subject of much gang war, usually is the subject of a lot of fighting between two major gangs, but Elias was able to broker a temporary truce to house Finch there. Uh, Elias was able to, to broker a temporary truce to allow Finch to stay there in an apartment that used to be a meth lab. <laughs> Just staying in an apartment that used to be a meth lab. Just chilling out and uh, waiting for this all to blow over. This ends up not working out. After a while of them sitting around, uh, Samaritan agents show up, and Finch realizes, wait a minute, uh, this is, this is an anomaly. The normal state of affairs is gang war. The fact that there was no gang war is an, is an, is an anomaly. That's how they found us. By the way, we figure out why, why Finch's number came up. 
why Samaritan's attacking Finch right now, why Finch's cover got blown, uh, it's because he went to that coffee shop. Turns out, Samaritan's looking not just at what they're doing now, but what they've been doing in the past. And Finch, going down memory lane, taking a stroll down memory lane, was enough for Samaritan to go, Oh, wait a minute, this is the guy I want. This is the, this is the bad. This is the bad I want. This is the enemy. Uh, kill him. So that was enough. Just going to that coffee shop and reminiscing about Grace was enough to uh, to get his cover blown. Which is good, because Shaw was very afraid that it was her. Shaw was very afraid that her coming back was the reason that Finch's cover got blown. And that ended up not being the case. But we get this amazing sequence of Elias escorting Finch out of the building... He and his men taking out Samaritan agents left and right as they go. Uh, It's so brilliant. It's such a great sequence. So well done. I especially love the moment with the elevator where Finch is like, Finch hits the button and then he's like, wait a minute. Aren't they going to be on the elevator? And Elias is like, oh yeah, they're definitely on the elevator. They're just not, you know, awake. And the elevator comes up, and it's just, like, a bunch of guys on the floor with Elias' men standing over them. (laughs) It's great. It's so good. Uh, But they work their way through this maze of agents, and Elias very creatively using his resources to get him out. And then we get to his car, and Elias is like, okay, you're going to get into this car. Uh, My guy here, he's going to drive you away. It's all going to be, oh, he's dead. And you kind of see, God, I forget the name of the actor who plays Elias, but he does such a great job in this scene. I'll look it up on IMDb while describing it, but you can see on Elias' face, like, throughout this entire sequence, he had this uh, Enrico, Enrico Colantoni, Enrico Colantoni, that's his name. Uh, This dude does such a great job here. You can kind of see on Elias' face, he had this very sure of himself, like, I'm definitely getting Finch out of this. Like, I'm on top of the situation. I'm thinking all these moves ahead. Like, I got this, I got this, I got this. Like, he is, like, just gushing confidence. And you can see all of that fade away to a point where Elias knows, oh, crap, I'm screwed. (laughs) Like, he goes from uber confident to... Yep, I just got beaten. And Elias is, like, fighting off the last of Samaritan's agents and then gets shot directly in the head. So Elias, indisputably this time, has been killed. Has been killed by Samaritan. Elias is gone. Elias is off the board. Elias is dead. And it's this... It's such a heartbreaking moment. It's such a heartbreaking, devastating moment. Uh, And everything about it is so good. Everything about it is so well done. Uh, But then Samaritan agents come, take Finch, drag him away. Uh, Reese and Fusco are not far behind him. uh, Because a lot of people in that neighborhood have a ridiculous amount of respect for Elias. Uh, some guy comes up and is like, hey, just so you know, I have this picture of the car and the license plate of the car that took your friend 
uh, and has the people who killed Elias. Here you go. Uh, track down Elias's killers. So that respect for Elias playing in. Uh, so Reese and Fusco and Root and Shaw are all converging on uh, Finch's location. Are all converging where he is. Root and Shaw get there first. Uh, as Finch meets with Greer, and Greer's like, So here's the thing. Samaritan has decided that you're going to work for us. And one of these days, maybe not today, but uh, someday, you'll be working for Samaritan on your own accord. You'll be working for Samaritan by your own choice. Until then, we're just going to ha- hold you prisoner, because why the hell not? At this moment, as they're escorting Finch away from this conversation... Uh, Root and Shaw show up. We get this incredibly well-done shootout. The entire duration of which is filled with Root comforting Shaw over the whole simulation craziness. And Root saying, like, hey, you know what? It doesn't really matter if this is a simulation or not. Because if you really think about it, like, there's a theory that the universe isn't actually made of physical matter. We're just all shapes. Uh, And... You know, like, really, in a, to a certain physiolo- uh, philosophical standpoint, like, one could argue the real world is just a simulation of a shorts anyway, blah, 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 blah. And it's so well done. They intercut it so well with the shootout. They have such great dialogue. That chemistry between Amy Acker and Sarah Shahi... God, they did not miss a beat. Uh, I, I, I love this moment. I especially love this moment <laughs> towards the end of this conversation where Root's, like, doing the, uh, we're all shapes, we're all shapes, we're all shapes, and then she's just like, and darling, you have a great shape. <laughs> and Charles just like, you flirt at the most awkward times, and Root's just like, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. It's a wonderful moment. I love everything about it. It's so great. It's so wonderful. Like, it's it's so good. <laughs> it's the best. It is the best. Uh, but I love that moment. Uh, and then they get Finch. And then this truck with, like, a big-ass gun, or this car with a big-ass gun, shows up. Starts shooting everything. Root takes Finch, Shaw stays behind uh, in order to hold them off, and Root's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. And Shaw's like, hey, get out, leave. And so Root and Finch drive away while Shaw's dealing with this whole mess, while Shaw's dealing with these Samaritan assholes. And Root and Finch have this great conversation where Finch, like, He's just tired. He expresses, like, just being tired of losing people, uh, particularly Elias. The Elias thing, like, really hit him hard. And Root's like, hey, he's he's not dead. Not really. No one is. There is no death anymore. The machine, in order to predict what we'll do, watches everyone, knows everyone. And the people that she watches the most... She knows the best. Uh, People like Carter, Elias, Nathan, all of those people. They're all still alive and still inside the machine. 
as long as the machine still lives, they're not dead. As long as the machine's still alive, they still are too, to a certain extent. And it's this really great way of thinking about it, and it's very, very clever. Uh, and I love this monologue from Root. I, I love this whole conversation. And this is sort of talked around <laughs> Root uh, fighting off that massive gun car, because the gun car apparently follows them immediately, and Shaw's just left to deal with the foot soldiers. Uh, but... Root is dealing with the car, trying to shake him, and eventually he gets, like, just goes through the the sunroof and shoots that car a lot with a very high-powered rifle and just decimates it. I especially love when Root's, like, giving this big metaphysical discussion with Finch, and in the middle of it, she's just like, Hey, hand me that really big gun and a scrunchie, thanks. <laughs> She's so casual about it. Uh, but we get this big sequence. We get this big chase. And then Blackwell shows up and is guided to a specific high-rise, a specific balcony where he is told to target this one car. Primary target is passenger, secondary is driver, a.k.a. primary finch, secondary root. And we have this amazing moment where root notices Blackwell about to shoot and then swerves the car so that finch doesn't get shot. But she does. But root does get shot. Root does take the bullet. And keep in mind, this was the second major shot she took. She took two shots. One during the big shootout where Root was blatantly flirting with Shaw and once now. So she's taken two major hits and is not doing well. Not doing great. They are then stopped by the cops because, you know... Kind of turned the streets of New York into a war zone. That's kind of a thing they did. Uh, Root is forced to stop. Uh, Finch is dragged out of the car while Root is bleeding out in the driver's seat. It's a heartbreaking moment uh, where Finch just has this look of abject horror. Like, And, and it's, it's so good. It's such an amazing sequence. So Finch is arrested and taken away. We don't know what's happened to Root. Uh, All we know is that she gets taken to a hospital in critical condition. Fusco goes to check on her. Uh, Reese and Shaw go to get Finch out. This is where the episode goes from brilliant to god tier. This is where the episode goes from freaking incredible to, oh my god, how is this network television? Because Finch is sitting down, and as you might expect, his prints show up, and they're linked to, like, a crap ton of homicide scenes over the last five years because of uh, the numbers and all that. Uh, We got a treason case all the way back from the 70s when he hacked ARPANET. 
And this flags the feds. This flags, like, the big boys of the government. And they show up. This guy sits down and starts saying, like, oh, we don't really know anything about you. Like, all your records have been deleted. We just have records of records, but no actual records. The only thing we do know is that there's a treason file on physical records that I got a guy going through with a flashlight just to find. It might take a couple hours. Uh, all you have to do is confess and uh, save us the time. Just reading him the riot act. And then Finch goes on this incredible monologue about how he tried to play by the rules. He tried to play by his rules. Not society's rules, not the government's rules, because they break every time it's convenient, but by his rules, the rules he set for himself. He believed that if he played by the right rules, eventually you would win, but he was wrong about that. And now he has to decide how far he's willing to go to kill Samaritan. Like, and this monologue is so eloquently written. Michael Emerson, holy shit! How did this dude not get an Emmy nomination for this episode? My God! But, Finch is giving this incredible monologue, and they do a really great thing here, where he starts off by talking to to his interrogator, but at a certain point, it becomes very clear he stopped talking to his interrogator and started talking to Samaritan. And so at one point, he's like... I'm gonna kill you. And I need to decide how far I'm willing to go. And the dude's like, hey, you want to add threatening a federal agent to your list of crimes? And Finch is like, I'm not talking to you. And then looks at the security camera and it's confirmed he is in fact talking to Samaritan. Like, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's so, so freaking amazing. Everything about it is incredible. Everything about it is magnificent. It's such a great moment. That monologue is so well done and so chilling. It's one of the best moments in all of Person of Interest. I love it so much. But then Finch is escorted back to holding cells. But at a moment where he's alone, the payphone rings. And Finch picks it up. And it's Ruth's voice. Except it's not... Root. The machine shows a voice. Root's voice. And it's at this moment that it is confirmed to us that Root died. Which, Jesus Christ, we got two major character deaths in one episode. Like, Finch... This episode broke Finch. This really did. This is the moment that Finch just became broken. This is the moment that Finch just died inside. And and the way they handle that breaking. The way they handle that, like, sudden subversion. That sudden erosion of the principles he held so dear this entire time. Like, the way they handle that is so, so brilliantly done. And so nuanced. And so incredible. And just... One of the best character moments. Maybe the best character moment in this entire series. Uh, but... Finch 
is on the phone with the machine. The machine now has a voice. And he's like, okay. Can you get me out of here? And the machine's like, you created me. I can do whatever the hell you want. And then the next thing we see is Reese and Shaw showing up at the prison. And it's just chaos. Apparently, someone turned out all the lights. Someone blacked out the power. Opened up all the cells. And it's just pandemonium and everyone's freaking escaped and like it's just chaos and it's at this moment that Reese after receiving the news that Root died Reese is just like so Samaritan didn't want Finch dead not if they could capture him and Shaw's like well why the hell did his number come up and Reese is like I think the machine was warning us about what he would do to them. We were operating under this assumption that Finch was a victim, but he was in fact the perpetrator. Oh, it's such a good ending. Everything about this episode is so perfect. Everything about this episode is brilliant. It is such a huge turning point in the final season. And, like, really, this does kick off, like, this big race to the finish. Like, this final season, not to say we haven't been doing a lot of Samaritan stuff. Because we absolutely have. We've been doing a lot of Machine versus Samaritan stuff. We've been doing a lot of Endgame stuff. But this is really the moment where it becomes, like, okay, no more messing around no more, like, just one-off stories. No more, like, just number subplots. No more any of that. Now we're just going, go, 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 go. We are racing to the end. We are just, we are moving forward as fast as humanly possible. And, oh boy, what an explosion to start off that finish. What an explosion to start off that, uh, these last four episodes. Three episodes now. We only have three episodes left, and then we're done with this thing. Now, before I end this, I want to talk a little bit about... So, there are some people on the internet. A shockingly few number. Most Person of Interest fans were actually smart enough to sort of get the nuance here. But there are some who dismissed the death of Root as an example of the bury your gaze trope. For those of you who don't know, Bury Your Gaze is used to describe the pointless killing of LGBT characters for no reason other than drama. And it's a bad thing because, you know, gay people aren't represented on television all that often. Especially uh, not in, like, the pre-Golden Age days. Uh, Especially not in the days pre like, the wokening of America, (laughs) for lack of a better term. And, to be clear, there are plenty of examples of gay characters being treated really terribly on television. There are plenty examples of gay characters just being treated in the worst possible way, and and being given such shit arcs, and being killed off abruptly for no apparent reason. There are plenty examples of that. But to lump Root in with all of that is such a misunderstanding. Like, I guarantee you, the people who dismiss Root's death as a Burrier Gaze trope either A, didn't watch the show, or B, 
have not been paying attention to anything going on with Root at any point in the series. Because, like, literally, Root sacrificed herself to save the architect of the new age of ASIs, literally the thing she's devoted her entire life to. She literally has devoted her entire existence to being an acolyte of the new age of ASIs, the new age of the machine, and whatever else comes from that. She has literally devoted her heart, body, and soul to the machine. She basically became a mouthpiece for the machine on multiple occasions. Like, she devoted herself to that every bit as much, if not more than, Shaw. Like, this was her passion. This was her life's journey. She even says in the episode that even though she was on a dark path for a long time, this, her work with the machine and her fight against Samaritan, was the first time she felt like she belonged. So this was everything to her. And she sacrificed herself to save the architect of that new age. The man who made all of that that she devoted her life to possible. Like, I cannot picture a more fitting end to that character. Like, it's such a brilliant closing of her arc. And to say it's just a bury your gaze, bury your gaze trope, like, it, 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 it just so dismissive and so reductive and just an insult to that character. It really is an insult to that character. Because literally so much of the internet, or at least so much of the tiny portion of the internet that actually gave a shit about person of interest, because let's face it, no one was watching this show, which is unfortunate. The... That portion of the internet, and again, most person of interest fans were smart enough to understand the nuance here and how good of an ending this was for Root. Most person of interest fans were able to grasp that, but... That small percentage. Like, they ignored every substantive element of Root's character. They ignored every major point of Root's arc in favor of just placing a neon sign over her head that said gay. Now, let me be clear. I love that Person of Interest featured a uh, lesbian romantic subplot for Root and Shaw. That was amazing. In fact, if I remember correctly, like, that was one of the first major gay subplots I've seen on a network television drama. I believe that was the case. I could be wrong. Uh, Like, on network television, like, for them to devote so much to that, particularly on CBS, like, that was kind of a big deal. And, like, the Root and Shaw thing, I think, was handled very well. I don't think there was a single misstep in any of that. Uh, How they played that out was very nuanced and very well done and very subtle and just excellent. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. But, like, Root's love for Shaw was not the only element of her character. Root being 
super gay was not the only element of her character. And to say that that's the only element that mattered is so reductive. Like, literally, these are the same people who keep saying over and over and over again, I don't want to be defined by my sexuality. I don't want to be defined by bisexuality. You shouldn't define gay people by their sexuality. Literally, you're defining this character by her sexuality. Do you not see the hypocrisy there? And again, none of this is to say that the bury your gays trope isn't a very real thing. None of this is to say that there aren't plenty of examples of them just sort of treating gay people as... And no one's saying that there aren't many, many examples of gay characters being throwaways. No one's saying there aren't plenty of examples of gay characters being completely just screwed over by really stupid plot lines and really abrupt finishes. But, like, anyone who's looking at this and actually examining the deep nuances of Root's character, because Root, I genuinely believe, is the best character on this show. I love Finch. I love Fusco. I love Reese and Carter and all those people. I I love Shaw, but, like, man, Root is the best character on this show. And as someone who absolutely adores everything about that character, as someone who absolutely adores Root and thinks she's the best thing about Person of Interest, she had the best end possible. She really, really did. They gave a perfect send-off to that character. She literally got to become the voice of the machine. For Christ's sake. Like, I don't know. It's just... I'm not sure what point this rant has. I just get so annoyed when people dismiss this as a Burrier gay trope. Because it's just like, there's so much there. There's so, by By saying that, you're actively saying that complex, nuanced television characters who happen to be gay can only be defined by the fact that they're gay. That's the, that's what you're saying, and I think it's, it does way more harm than you realize, I think, for LGBT representation on television. Like, I get that you want to see yourselves reflected. I, I do. I really understand that. Please don't take this as me being dismissive of that. Quite the opposite. But there's more to people than who they love. And anyone railing against the way this character died for being like a burrier gaze, for being a mistreatment of gay people, like, they haven't learned that lesson as much as they think they did. They haven't learned that lesson as much as they think they did. I'm just going to say that. Like, it just, ugh, it annoys me so much. It annoys me so much, and it's such an insult to that character, such an insult to everything they create with that character, and it's such an insult to how beautiful and how well-earned and how poetic that death was. Like, just rewatch the show and put the fact that Root's gay aside, essentially. Like, just, just do that. Like, turn the neon sign off and re-watch the show. Because I think you'll find this was the best way they could have done it. Uh, and it's a pretty damn good trigger for Finch to completely lose it. <laughs> for Finch to completely lose it in that final scene. Jesus Christ, this is a broken man. Anyway, uh, rant over. That's done. 
Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we will, or not tomorrow, on Monday we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 11. Talk to you then.